This morning, I'm going to be talking to you on what I caption neutralizing the negative pronouncements from my father's house. Neutralizing the negative pronouncements from my father's house. I was called one time to go to the hospital, you know. I found out in the United States something which was very strange that men were allowed to enter the labor room. We all know that in Cameroon is an abomination. A man is not even allowed close to where a woman is in labor. You can be somewhere in the hallway and then when a baby is born, you may receive a news through phone call or text message. But in the United States, men are allowed to go into the labor room. So one time a woman was at the hospital and she had a very complicated labor. And so they called the pastor. I went to the hospital and then I prayed. Few, uh, a few minutes after the child was born, the mother-in-law took this little baby that was born and I was amazed, I was surprised by the pronouncements she was making over the child. Now listen, it wasn't anything beautiful. She held the child and said, my son, welcome. You've come to join us in this well of suffering. And then she started, I, I immediately interrupted. I said, this child will not suffer. What you suffer will not be transferred to this child. Amen. How dare you take a child that is just born and you start saying, my son, welcome. You will also join us in this world of suffering. When you have suffered like we have suffered, then you also become a man. She was saying all kinds of terrible things. May I say that many of us seated here this morning, we have received all kinds of satanic pronouncements from our parents. But I came to announce to you today, I don't care what was announced or pronounced over your life. It shall be neutralized today. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I said it shall be neutralized today. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you believe what I said, let your amen be the loudest in the building. Amen. The Bible opens by saying Noah was a man of the soil. And he proceeded to plant a vineyard. And he drank some of the wine from the vineyard and he became drunk. The first thing we see, the Bible talks about, it says Noah was a man of the soil, indicating that all the resources that Noah had came from the soil. Unfortunately, we were configured growing up to know that if your parents were farmers, they were poor. But you understand if you want to become rich now, it's agriculture. Hallelujah. Amen. We thought that by driving in a good car, having a job where we go to an office and working in an air-conditioned office, we were good. But right now, farmers are those who have money. The ground is the richest place on the earth. Noah had some wine from his vineyard and he became drunk. Now, this is the first time drunkenness is mentioned in the Bible. And so if Noah became drunk, it means that before he was drinking, but he wasn't drunk before. So there was a possibility that this was the first time he had wine that was fermented. That caused him to be drunk. So anytime wine is mentioned in the scripture, don't assume that it's alcoholic. I can even go further to prove to you that the, the wine Jesus Christ changed from water was not alcoholic. I can prove that to you from the scripture. Because if you read the scriptures very well, the master of ceremony said, where was this wine kept? That it is now brought when people are already drunk. In the Jewish culture, when they had ceremonies, they brought the wine that was not alcoholic first. 
because they were still about doing the rites of the marriage. And when everything was concluded, then they brought the alcoholic one because the occasion was now done. You could misbehave, no problem. So it was the reverse. When the master of ceremony tasted the wine Jesus Christ changed, he was surprised because this was the one that should have been brought first. So don't keep drinking and say, after all, Jesus Christ changed water into wine. The one more studies about that, meet me after church. I'm going to prove to you from the scripture that it wasn't alcohol. Hallelujah. But somebody may be saying to me this morning, Pastor, do you mean that we should not drink alcohol? I'm going to answer that question. In Leviticus chapter 8, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 8 to 10, I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures. That's what I say. Write them down. Mark them in your Bibles. It's going to help you after. Some of you listening to me this morning, maybe preachers tomorrow, maybe, you know, I don't know where you'll be tomorrow. It is going to help you. The Lord said to Aaron, you and your descendants are not to drink wine or any fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance to come. So that, listen to this, so that you may distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. So listen to this. In the Old Testament, God instructed Aaron through Moses saying, you and your descendants are not allowed to drink wine or any fermented drink as long as you serve in this temple. But notice, the instruction was given to Aaron and not to any other Israelite. So if you were an ordinary Israelite, you were allowed to drink alcohol. But those who had something to do with the temple of the Lord were not allowed to drink. And this is the reason. He said that you may distinguish between the holy and the common. And between the unclean and the clean. So the Bible said this to a group of people in the Old Testament called priests. Now in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So in the Old Testament, priests were a group of people belonging to a particular tribe. But in the New Testament, every New Testament believer is a priest. Amen. Did you hear that? Amen. Every New Testament believer is a priest. Amen. So this is the conclusion. If you want to be common and ordinary, drink your alcohol. But if you want to be somebody who has something to do with God's spirit, you want to be used by God. You want to be set apart. You want to be distinguished. Then we have stayed. Is somebody hearing me? Yes. So you will not go to hell because you drank alcohol, but you will be an ordinary person here on the earth. That is why they can oppress you in the night. They can torment you spiritually because you have no spiritual power in you. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can't be filled with the two. You choose one. Choose wine or choose the spirit. But I choose the spirit. Amen. I said I choose the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So you are not going to go to hell. It's not a sin. But you, on this earth, you'll be an ordinary person. You can't have spiritual power because instead of the Holy Ghost being in you, you have Heineken, you have whiskey, you have vodka, you have... Oh, what again? <laughs> what again? <laughs> 
But I choose the Holy Ghost. Tell someone I choose the Holy Ghost. Tell someone I choose the Holy Ghost. So if anybody asks about alcohol, you can explain that, right? You can give them this answer. Then the Bible says that Ham came in and saw the father, Noah, drunk, laying inside naked. Then he went and told his brothers. There were two things that Ham did that was wrong. Number one, he saw his father's nakedness. Let me explain this to you. It was wrong, and it is wrong for grown-up children to see their father or their parents' nakedness. If you are a parent here and you have grown-up children, or you are a father, you still walk around with boxers exposing your nakedness to your children, it is wrong. And I explain this to you. You are passing a double message to your children. Now, if your kids are allowed to see your nakedness, what makes it wrong for them to see the nakedness of your friend? I'm asking. If you as a mother, you are showing your nakedness to your children. Now, if you go to your friend's house and your friend is sitting naked before your son, is it wrong? Think about it. If it is wrong for your friend to show her nakedness to your son, it is also wrong for you to show your nakedness to your children. Don't give a double message. Because when a child begins to grow, when you come to consciousness, nakedness is sacred. The only person that should behold your nakedness is your wife or your husband. That is why some of us have troubles now because our memory card is full with people's nakedness. We've seen so much nakedness that we have to delete some. Delete, 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 delete. Because from the time we were born, we've watched all kinds of movies, all kinds of satanic images that we have troubles now. Keeping our minds safe. The second thing Ham did was that he went and told his brothers what he saw. He went and exposed his father's nakedness to his brothers. That was the second thing he did. And in doing so, he dishonored his father. May I say this to you? Irrespective of what your mother did or your father did, it is not in your place to expose your father or your mother. You are not a press secretary of your family. God has not called you to expose people. And this goes for any father or any mother. It could be biological father or spiritual father. That is why when I see people who go online to expose a man of God, I ask you, are you God's press secretary to take the thing to social media? Who hired you? Who gave you the audacity to talk to expose a man? You are, you are getting likes, getting followers, getting shares. But let me tell you, your judgment is coming. Because God has not called you to expose anybody. In doing so, he dishonored his father by exposing his nakedness. I want to let you know this morning, don't ever expose the nakedness of your father. Hallelujah. Be a son, be a daughter who brings honor to the father or mother and not dishonor. Amen. Amen. Bring honor and not dishonor. The Bible says, Beshem and Japheth, the other brothers, when they saw their father was naked, they took a piece of cloth. They went backward. Why were they going backward? Because they knew it was wrong to see their father's nakedness. They knew it was wrong. Even though their father was laying there naked, they knew it was wrong. So they walked in backward, covered their father's nakedness. 
Like I said before, the only people that are allowed to see your nakedness are people like doctors when they're doing surgery or doing checkups. Other than that, we as grown-ups or people are not allowed to see the nakedness of other people. By implication, watching movies that exposes the nakedness of others is sinful. You are not supposed to see the nakedness of other people. Now, sometimes we think we are grown. So when naked scenes come in the movie, we tell the children, go to the room. Talk. But you are sitting there watching that it's good for you. It is wrong, whether for a child or an adult, to see the nakedness of another person. Because, like I said, the nakedness of a man or a woman is secret. Amen. Amen. They used to say, when you see a little girl disrespecting an elderly person, know that girl has seen his nakedness. The nakedness of a man is secret. Don't make excuses for exposing nakedness. You know, today, People think that being naked is when all your private parts are showing. That's what people think to be naked. If you read, if you read the scriptures very well, nakedness is when you, you expose yourself, your body. Somebody is not supposed to imagine how you look like or your shape by the way you dress. Like I said, when I watch some sports on TV now, and then compared to back in those, for example, we watched Olympics in the year 1995. At Olympics in 2020, you wonder, are these people going to compete for nakedness or they are running a race? They are completely naked. We make excuses for being in a game or being at the beach. If I take your pictures of you at the beach, will it be allowed for me to project that on this church now? Let's, let's see how you are enjoying at the beach. We make excuses for being naked in places. May I tell you this? Whether you are naked in church or naked somewhere is nakedness. And no man is allowed, according to God's word, to see your nakedness. So, anytime you dress, and somebody gives you a compliment saying you are sexy, that dress is not good for the public. Because when somebody says you are sexy, it's not a compliment. It's saying you are ready for sex. That is what it means. If your attire conveys the idea of sex, then it's not ready for the public. Let me read this to you. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. It says, In like manner also, women adorn yourselves in modest apparel with shame faces, shame face, shame faceness, and sobriety. It goes on that says, Not with braided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly array. In other words, exaggeration. Christians, women who dress. And then, when you see other people come, you're embarrassed. There are certain things that only your husband should see. Or your wife should see. When you come in public, the Bible says what? Be modest. Like I said, in New Brick, we don't prescribe how people should dress. But we ask people to dress in a way that if you met Jesus, you will not be embarrassed. I've seen some people that the moment I, I, I go to, let's say I go to visit, I've, I've seen it many times. I barge into somebody's house. Maybe I knocked the door, they didn't know it was pastor. Right? But they were sitting there with other people, maybe other brothers, other sisters. But as soon as person that, then the person like, oh, oh, then you are trying to cover. Why are you covering now? <laughs> God was in the room before I came. You did not cover for God. As soon as you see pastor, now something came to your mind that your dressing is not appropriate. We have to be modest in the way we cover ourselves, in the way we project ourselves. Hallelujah. Amen. Our dress code is modesty. Amen. It is so sad. That if we go through our phones now, 
some of the content you have in your phone, you can't allow the next person to see. The images your friends are sending to you, it's shameful that if your children see it, you'll be so embarrassed, but you keep them in your phone. I just want to tell you this morning, if you are still keeping the naked photos of anybody in your phone, after this service, delete it. Maybe start deleting them now. The only person's nakedness you should see is your husband or your wife, period. Anytime you behold the nakedness of somebody else, it's sinful. Noah, Bible says that Noah got up from his alcohol and found that the, younger, the youngest son had done something to him. The question I asked this morning, if Noah was drunk and he was asleep, how did he find out what was done to him? Could it be that the brothers told him what the youngest son did? We see that the brothers went and covered their father's nakedness, but they exposed their younger brother. Like I said, many of us are good in honoring God. But we are very good in exposing our brothers and sisters. If we honor God, we also have to cover our brothers and sisters when they sin. Hallelujah. It is not in your power to expose people when they do wrong. We should cover them. That is why everything that happens in the house of God should remain in the house of God. I told you about a time we had a Bible study and there was a sister in the church who asked a question. It was concerning her husband who is not a Christian. As soon as she got home, the husband who was not in church knew already what she said in church. We honor God. We worship Him, but we expose our brothers and sisters. Never allow alcohol to put you in a position where you bring disgrace to your family. May I say that again? Never allow alcohol to put you in a position where you bring disgrace to your family. I remember when I was growing up, there was a man who was always getting drunk and they would go call his kids to go get their father. You can imagine the shame where they are drinking you, you are all drunk, you are vomiting and your kids are like, daddy, move, move. What a shame. Never allow alcohol to bring disgrace to you and your family. And then Noah said, curse be Canaan, the lowest of all slaves. He will be to his brothers. Based on his action, Noah placed a curse on Ham, on Ham by cursing his son Canaan. There is a whole theological debate why Noah cursed the grandson or the, his grandson and not his son. It was Ham who saw his father's nakedness. But when he pronounced the curse, he pronounced the curse on the grandson. There is a whole debate that we cannot, we cannot finish this morning. If you want a private Bible study about that, register online at www.biblestudy.com. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is a whole debate we cannot finish this morning. But the conclusion is this. When Ham saw the nakedness of his father, he brought a curse to his descendants. He brought a curse to his family. It is very interesting to understand that in the early days of Bible interpretation, Noah had three sons. Shem, Ham and Japheth. These three sons were considered as the three races in the world. It was said that Ham was the father of Africans. And this theory was used to justify slavery because they said when Noah cursed Ham and cursed Canaan, he made the black man slaves. So when the people went to catch slaves in Africa, they justified themselves by saying this is what Noah said, you'll be slaves. 
Even in the church of Latter-day Saints, in those days, they could not ordain a black man to be a pastor because they said the Bible said they were slaves. But as time went on, people realized that it was false interpretation. God has not ordained any man to be a slave. Hallelujah. Not a black man, not a white man, not any color. Nobody is ordained by God to be a slave. Amen. I want you to notice that when Noah cursed the son, he, he did nothing mystical. It was just words that he spoke. I have seen African parents who cursed their children. For example, a mother came under the sun, removed her breast, and said, if this is the breast that I breast, I gave you milk, may it never be well with you. You don't have to do all that drama to curse somebody. Just simple pronouncement brings the curse. That is exactly what Noah did by just making a simple pronouncement. May I say this to you? Your parents might have cursed you without them knowing that they cursed you. I'm going to give you examples. For example, you're growing up and then you do something to your mother. And your mother says, when you will have children, you will know how it feels. What is he saying? The same thing you have done to me, your children will do it to you. It's a curse, indirectly, without knowing. Or sometimes they'll tell you, when you'll be pregnant, you will feel how it takes to have a baby. And then you wonder why your labor was so complicated. Because there was a pronouncement, there was a curse that they made over you without knowing. Or when you start working, you will know how money is hard. And now you have a job, it looks like the, the harder you work, you don't see money. Because your parents said, when you start working, you will know how money is hard to get. Or sometimes say, can you be anything? This child is a useless child. Nonsense boy. You just stupid like your father. We, they, they say those things out of anger, but they release curses. They make pronouncements. I'm just wasting my money on that school you're going. Your friends are passing with 18. You dull child. You, they say those things. And you wonder why the child keeps degrading, keep going down and down and down. When you get married, you will see. And then you get married, your mother-in-law is so mean to you, you don't know why. There was a curse. There are things that parents have said in anger. And it's sad that even those of us who experience these things continue to say the same to our children. We have to understand we are called to bless. Hallelujah. We are called to bless and not to curse. I said we are called to bless and not to curse. So bless your children. Amen. 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 When your child misbehaves, speak a blessing over that child. Amen. This mistake you have made, you will not repeat it again. Amen. You will be better than this. Amen. You will not do it again. Amen. God will grant you grace to excel. Amen. Amen. You speak the blessing and not curse them. And then Noah also said, Praise be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be his slave. May God extend the, the, the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the time of Shem and may Canaan be his slave. He also blessed his other sons for covering his nakedness. He had power to curse and power to bless. Every father, listen to this, has a divine mandate to bless. Every father has a divine mandate to bless. I told you that there are three persons in this life to bless you. Number one is God. 
It is God who has blessed us and given us the power to make wealth. The blessings of the Lord makes rich and add what? No sorrow. God blesses you first. The second person to bless you are your, is your biological father. God has given, that is why, culturally and biblically speaking, when you are getting married, it is not your mother who blesses, it is your father who blesses. It is the father. The second person to bless is your father. So let me say this to you. If you are married, regardless of the conflict you have with your husband, never disconnect your children from their father because you can't bless them. Are you hearing me this morning? Never ever sow bad seeds in the hearts of your children about their father. Regardless of the beef that you have with him, allow your children to be blessed by him. So maybe saying this morning that, can this old man bless me? This useless drunkard, can he bless me? Listen, Noah woke up from his drunkenness and blessed his son and cursed the other. And guess what? They all came to pass. Your father does not have to be spiritual to bless you. It is a divine mandate for every father to bless his children. Your father may be a witch. He has the power to bless you. So if you are a woman and you are disconnecting your kids from their father, you can never be their father. And you can never give them the father's blessing. Whatever beef you have with your father, keep that beef between you and him. But allow your children to get that blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. Allow them to get that blessing. Amen. Noah blessed his sons for covering his nakedness. And every pronouncement that Noah made came to pass. Noah also emphasized the blessings. And then emphasized the curse upon Canaan. It was not enough that he cursed him first. After blessing his other sons, he said, Canaan, you will be a slave of slaves. An emphatic curse made by a solemn pronouncement. I came to announce to somebody this morning. I don't know what was said over you. I don't know what your parents said, what your aunties said, what your in-laws said over your life. Any satanic pronouncement over your life shall be broken. It shall be neutralized. It shall be neutralized. It shall be neutralized in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes, like as kids are going to school, we have had confessions of people who receive negative pronouncements from their teachers. They will call a child dull kid. You are so stupid. And that, that is a seed sown in the life of the child. The child starts to have inferiority complex. He or she can't do well in school because of the pronouncement. But I came to announce any pronouncement made over your children shall not stand. Amen. It shall be neutralized Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. How do we neutralize negative pronouncements? Let's read the second scripture in the Bible. And then we are going to go into few things to know how to neutralize negative pronouncements. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. The NIV says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so condemn sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us 
who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The first thing you do in order to neutralize every pronouncement in your life is get into Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Get into Christ. Now, if I'm here, for example, and you say whatever you want to say about me, I will hear, right? Because you see me. But when I get into Christ, the Bible said the life that I live is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. So when I get into Christ, whatever you say, you are not saying it to me any longer. You are saying it to Jesus Christ. And if Jesus cannot be cursed, I cannot be cursed. If Jesus cannot be affected by any pronouncements, I cannot be affected. Amen. The Bible says Christ became a curse. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 to 14, listen, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone that is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So when Christ died, he came to your house. When you surrender to him and say, hey, my daughter, these things were said about you. But from today, I remove you from that pronouncement. I remove you from that curse. Amen. I bring you out. So whatever was said about you is no longer you because it is no longer you that lives, but Christ who lives in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So you get into Christ. It's unfortunate that many people are in church, but not in Christ. Many people are in denominations, but not in Christ. It is in Christ that you hide from the troubles of this world. It is in Christ that you hide from curses, that you hide from all these pronouncements. It is only in Christ. Now, the church is like a hospital. Nobody goes to the hospital to see a nurse, to enjoy the AC, or to enjoy the bed. We go to meet the doctor. So if you stay at the hospital for seven years without seeing the doctor, your stay, your stay there is in vain. I appreciate the fact that you are here this morning. I am glad that you are coming every Sunday. But if you keep coming every Sunday and never encounter Christ, your coming is in vain. Because you never met the doctor. It is only when you give yourself to Jesus that you met the doctor who is able to change your life. Amen. Don't end in church. Go further and get into Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't end in a religion. Don't end in a denomination. Go further and give yourself to Christ. Because when you get into Christ, every curse is broken. Every pronouncement is neutralized. There is nothing that is said about you that can walk in Christ. Because in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone and everything has become what? New. Get into Christ. Number two, believe the finished work of Christ. Believe the finished work of Christ. It is easy to believe that the reason why I'm struggling is because my father said this. Or when I went to back home, my aunt said this to me. My grandfather said this. Oh, they said, somebody went to some native doctor, they said the reason why I, I, I can't make it is because somebody did this. We can believe those things. But how many can dare to believe what the Bible says about you? Until you believe what Jesus did for you, nothing he did will work for you. Hallelujah. Until you believe. The Bible says he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. In other words, there was something you did that brought you a curse. 
When Jesus Christ came, he paid for the penalty of your sin, qualifying you for the blessing. So if you refuse to believe what he did for you, you bring yourself back under the curse that he took you from. Believe what Jesus has done for you. Hallelujah. Until you believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you, his death means nothing to you. And therefore no benefit. Listen to this. In John chapter 6, verse 28 to 29, after Jesus Christ told them about this new life, the blessed life, they asked Jesus, what must we do to walk the works God requires? Because they were asking Jesus, how can I do things that will make me blessed? You know, to be free from this bondage, these curses. This is what Jesus responded. He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one God sent. So Jesus is saying, there is nothing you have to do in order to get free from this bondage. The only thing you need to do is believe in the one that was sent, and that is Jesus. If you believe in him, that is the work you need to walk. You don't need to go to your village and ask forgiveness from your grandfather. You don't need to pay any price. All you need to do is believe in the one that was sent. Believe that you are blessed and not cursed. Believe that what God says about you is true. Believe that God's word surpasses the word of your father or mother. Believe that you are a seed of Abraham and an heir of the promise. Believe you are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. Believe what God says about you. Hallelujah. Believe the finished work. Believe you are blessed. Hallelujah. So when somebody comes from home and says, they have said that women in this family never make money. Tell the person, not me. I'm so blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm Amen. so blessed. Amen. I am fruitful. Amen. I'm lifted. Amen. I'm flourishing. Amen. Believe the word of the Lord. But many of us will hear a word like this and not, and not get excited. But after you leave this service now, one aunt will call you from the village and say, they have said that the reason why you had that miscarriage was because you did not fetch your grandmother water. And then you call pastor. The word that, was, that came to you this morning never made you excited. But what your grandmother said is what is making you to shake. Because you believe. When you hear that kind of word and you believe what God says, you go home, buy one pamplemousse, drink, and say, let them get out. Because you understand that what God says about me is final. Yeah. Who is it that speaks and it comes to pass? When the Lord God has not spoken. Yeah. Only God's word has the power to prevail over my life. Yeah. No man can curse me. Hallelujah. Because I believe the finished work of Jesus. And number three, do not live according to the flesh. Amen. Amen. Listen to this. It says that Jesus Christ qualified us by paying the righteous requirement. And it says, to those who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Let me illustrate this to you. This is me here. I was in the flesh, right? And then when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I disappeared. So I'm no longer seen. I'm in Christ right now. So if you curse me, do you see me? No. Can you show me anything? No. But when you say, oh, let me go back and enjoy nightclub again small. Guess what? You make yourself available. <laughs> then they shoot. When they shoot, you run again and go to Christ. <laughs> and then you, you stay again for three years. You say, oh, that hand can is still, I see, I see, you come back again. Guess what? You keep making yourself available for the curses. If you continue to walk in the flesh, 
you qualify yourself for those curses again. But when you walk in the spirit, the spirit realm is a realm that negative pronouncements cannot attain. They can't see you there because you are hidden in Christ. You are covered by Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You walk in the spirit. How do they poison a child of God? You were somewhere mixing drinks, mixing like three kinds of drinks, and then somebody drops something. You think God will protect you there? No. You are walking in the flesh. You go to the village. You have you, you've not prayed for like three years. And then you go to the village, you are showing money. And there's one grandmother who, look at him, this, he, he wants to show. Then they shoot arrow. You have no defense. You are walking what? In the flesh. But when you walk in the spirit, when, it's, when an arrow is being shot, it doesn't touch you because Jesus is covering you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You are living according to God's design. Amen. According to God's standard. Amen. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There are certain things we don't do, not because they are bad, but because we belong to a higher category. Did you hear me this morning? Yes. If you were passing somewhere and in a certain nightclub, right? And you saw me, your pastor in that club, what would you think about me? You will be like, this pastor is not serious. Because you know that pastors should not be in a place like this. There are certain things that when you understand who you are in Christ, you don't do because you belong to a higher category. If you were passing somewhere in Virginia, and you saw Biden, let me just say Biden, Omer Obama, the former president, standing with some ghetto boys, smoking cigarettes, will you not be surprised? Because you know, as a president, you should not be around this territory. When you understand who you are in Christ, there are certain things you don't do. There are certain places you don't go. There are certain habits you don't manifest because you belong to a higher category. Amen. We are not common. We are extraordinary people. We are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are leaders and not followers. We show the example. We are the light of the world. A city built on the hill cannot be hidden. So I live the way I live, not because the things I could have done are sinful, because I belong to a higher category. It's that when you have money, you can go to a restaurant and order food for $300 a plate. Because you have the money. But when you don't, you go to where there is 1099. Because you're struggling. The reason why you are still in that place, mingling with those people, acting like them, is because you don't know who you are. The day you realize that God has called you as a prince, that God has anointed you, that you are a leader, you are a man of God, you are ordained to show others a light, you will come out from that darkness and begin to live like you, you are called to live. We belong to a higher category. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. When you live in the spirit, every pronouncement over your life is broken. Hallelujah. Let me conclude by saying this morning. If you come to Christ, believe in the finished work, and live in the spirit, there is no devil that can say something to you and it comes to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So when I go to the hospital and the doctor says, I'm seeing signs of diabetes, signs of cancer. I know you're not talking to me. Because the person you're talking to is dead in Christ. Amen. The life I live 
If Christ does not have cancer, I don't have cancer. When you understand the life you live, there are certain things you can't believe because you believe the word of the Lord and not the word of a man. Hallelujah. If you get into Christ, believe his word, and walk according to the spirit, there is nothing that will bring you under any negative pronouncement. I want to stand on our feet this morning. Just begin to thank the Lord for what you've heard. Begin to thank the Lord. Begin to give him praise.